0: Good morning. It is always a highlight of my summer to get to come down here to San Francisco and to come to Cornerstone Church. And this summer is uh, no exception. So I am glad to be here. I, I love, I love the summer. I love the summer because it's a, it's a more relaxed time in my life. Uh, our house is a little bit more mellow. There's not quite so much craziness going on. Um, everybody is more uh, happy. There's no homework involved, that kind of thing. And, and I love it because I love hot weather, actually. That's why I live in Folsom, where it was 108 degrees recently. <laughs> but, I, but I also love San Francisco. And I like to come here, as you know, to cool off and go back. Uh, one of the downsides of my summer, this summer, is I got a summer cold. Now, have you ever had a summer cold? I, I hate summer colds. I mean, I hate colds in general. But I really don't like them when I get them in the summer. And I guess because I expect to get a cold in the winter. I just figure, you get one, at least one every winter. I just, I just feel like, I know it's going to happen. But when I, I don't expect to get it in the summer, and it just drags me down. And I don't like it when it's hot outside, and I have a cold. And so a few weeks ago, I got this cold, and I decided I was going to jump on it. And I, I was going to go right to the drugstore and get something to get rid of it. You know, even though you can't really get rid of a virus with drugs. Uh, But I was determined. So I said to my husband one night after dinner, I said, Dan, I'm going to run over to the store. I'm going to get something for this cold, and uh, I'm going to get rid of it. And, And he said, that's great. No problem. I'll hold the fort down. And I said, I'll be back in like five minutes. We literally, we live like 30 seconds from this grocery store. And... So I, I get over to the grocery store and I go to the aisle, you know, where they have the cold and cough and flu and allergy medicines, and, and I get in there and there had to be like 60 medicines for colds. Now, you know, maybe this will date me, but when I was growing up, there was like one medicine for colds. I don't even know if there was medicine for cold when I was growing up. I, I think they just said, too bad, go lay down. So there I was, in, and I'm in there, and they've got every different kind. I mean, they've got the, the cold medicine for just the cold. Then they've got the cold medicine for your sinuses and your cold. Then they've got the one for, you know, if you have post-nasal drip. Then they've got the, the coffin cold. They've got the nighttime cold. They've got the daytime cold. They, I mean, it's overwhelming. I'm standing in there, and I'm, I'm trying to pick out what minutes I'm going to get. And all of a sudden, I, I realized I, I, I started feeling overwhelmed by the number of choices that I had. And uh, I got kind of paralyzed in it, my choice-making. I sort of was standing there. I think I, I was a little catatonic, actually. Uh, and the reason I, I know this is because um, a woman started approaching me from down the aisle, and she came right up to me, and she said, Honey, do you need some help? And... Uh, I, I said, I, I can't decide what cold medicine to get. And, and I said, what cold medicine do you use? And she grabbed the box off the shelf and she handed it to me. And I said, that's great. And I bought it. <laughs> I got home and uh, had my cold medicine in hand. And Dan said to me, wow, Libby, we thought we lost you there for a minute. And I was like, well, what do you mean? he goes, because you've been gone 45 minutes. <laughs> I was just standing there trying to make my choice. Life is filled with decisions that we have to make. Uh, Sometimes they're just little silly decisions like trying to find the right cold medicine. Other times they're they're major decisions that we we wrestle with and and impact us greatly. And and all summer, we've been looking at this idea of moments of decision. Um, What is it like for us at these crossroad moments? Um, How do we have a vision for inviting God into these moments as we decide where we're going to go and what we're going to do so that when we come out on the other side, we have walked in the path that God has set for us and we can do what he has called us to do and and live the life that he has for us. Well, we're going to be looking this morning at a text in the Old Testament from Joshua 24. And Joshua 24 is uh, just another way that we're going to look at this whole idea of what it means to uh, make a choice in a moment of decision, to have this time in life where uh, a decision is before us and we have to make a choice. Now, Joshua 24 is a long chapter, and I didn't want to read the whole thing, and so I thought about it, and I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to condense it down for you, and I'm going to give you a Twitter version of it, okay? And It goes something like this. The nation of Israel is challenged by its leader, Joshua, to make a decision about who they want to serve, God or something else. Now, For those of you who are Twitter savvy, that is 25 of my 140 characters. Now here's the deal. Uh, Faithfully serving God, choosing God, was nothing new for Israel. The entire history of Israel, from its beginning of relationship with God, um, involved being chosen by God, and then choosing in return to follow God, to choose him. And so they're not not unfamiliar with the challenge that Joshua is giving them in this text. Now, you can look in your handout at the text, and I'm going to read it to you. Joshua 24, verses 14 to 16. This is a challenge that he gives Israel at at a moment of decision for them. They are at a crossroads moment in their history and their identity as a people. And Joshua says this, beginning at verse 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And the people replied, We would never. Abandon the Lord and serve other gods. I think there's some some good and helpful things in Joshua 24 for us as we talk about moments of decision and the idea of what does it mean for us to choose to serve the Lord in our lives. And and the the first thing I think Joshua 24 uh, challenges us to do is it challenges us to make a choice. To make a choice. Now you see... (coughs) You might you might hear that, and it might be kind of a duh moment. You know, yeah, Libby, I, I get it. The first thing that I'm supposed to know about this text, about our relationship with God, is that I need to choose. But it's interesting because so often, uh, choice is sort of the kind of thing that people just think happens to them, as opposed to proactively doing themselves. Um, we don't just kind of flop into relationship with God. We we make a choice to be in relationship with him. And in Joshua 24, Joshua is challenging the Israelites who have had this long history with God to once again choose him in this moment of decision. Now, I don't know about you, but when I I hear something like choose, choose God or choose to serve God, one of the first things that comes to my mind is, well, why should I choose that? Why should I choose God over other things? And, and in Israel's life, this had been a challenge they had faced a lot. They had faced that question. And sometimes they had chosen other things besides God. Why choose God? Well, I think there's, there's a myriad of reasons. I'm just going to give a few. The first one is because God has chosen us. Because God has chosen us. You know, God desires us. God has a heart that desires to be in relationship with us. That desire is so deep that he embodied his desire in the person of Jesus and came to live with us, to die for us, to be raised, to give us hope and relationship with him. He desires us. Now, I don't know anyone who doesn't want to be desired. All of us want to be desired. We want to be wanted. And here we have the God of the universe, the God who created the universe, extending a hand of friendship to us, saying, I I want you. The God who is greater than anything we could ask for or imagine. The God who knows our past and knows our future. The God who loves us with a never-ending love, who's faithful to us. I think we choose God because God has chosen us. And why would we choose something else when God is the greatest choice we could make? But I think we also choose God because of God's character. You know, if you look at the character of God, why would I choose someone else? Like I said, because the character of God is so compelling. If you just read through the Bible and you say, what does the Bible tell me about the character of God? It just goes on infinitely, infinitely goes on. God is faithful, God is great. God knows everything. God is above and beyond and yet is near and personal. God is forgiving. God is from everlasting to everlasting. God is always faithful and never faithless. God is on our side. All these characteristics of God um, compel us to say, Yes, God, I want to choose you. I want to choose to serve you because you are a God who never changes. You are not a fickle God. Uh, You don't base your choice of us or your desire for us on on whether you're having a good day or a bad day. God is always on our side. God always chooses us. That character of God compels us, I believe, to choose to serve him. And it also is a character that compels us to choose to trust him. You know, in the first 13 verses of Joshua 24, Joshua kind of lays out for the Israelites a sort of a condensed version of all that God has done for them in their life. And he recounts just all these different circumstances where God has shown up for them. You know, you were in this situation and God did this. You were here and God did this. You thought you were in the most desperate straits ever and God pulled you through. Over and over and over again, Joshua says, look at God's track record if you will. I think we choose God because his track record proves that he's worthy of our choice, that his track record is always perfect. There's never a moment in time where you can go, oh, no, I see right here. There's there's a little dent in God's track record. There's a failure there. There's never a failure. And it's that track record and that character that compels us to choose him in our lives To serve Him. Sometimes, even when the circumstances of our lives might lead us to believe God is not there. To serve God means to choose Him and to trust Him. This last April Fool's Day, Dan and I got a call at 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, when you get a call at 4 o'clock in the morning, it's usually one of three things. Someone's passed away, and someone's calling to tell you. Someone's been injured, and they're at the hospital, and they have called to have you come in and be there. Or it's the police department calling, telling you that somebody's in trouble, and you need to come and either bail them out or not bail them out, as the case may be. Well, in our home, it was option number three. It was the Folsom Police Department calling. Now, at 4 AM, I'm not very with it, because, you know, I'm sleeping. But <laughs> Somehow in this moment, I remembered it was April Fool's Day. <laughs> and I thought to myself, who of my friends is this that is calling me and saying that it's the Folsom Police Department? Because I just have those kind of friends. I know. Are those friends? I don't know. <laughs> and I thought and I thought and I thought, and I realized it wasn't one of my friends. It was the dispatcher of the Folsom Police Department. And she was telling me not to panic because my doorbell was going to ring momentarily, and there was going to be a police officer there because there was a squad car in front of our house with our son in the back seat. Now, you know, if my son had been maybe 16 or 17, and the police department called me and said, ''Oh, we've got your son in the back of the car,'' I might have been like, ''Well, all right, what prank did he pull?'' You know, Okay, he's a teenager. The problem is my son is 11 (laughs) and he's in the back of a police car. Now, many of you know that my son is not a typical 11-year-old because my son is an 11-year-old with autism. And so for whatever reason, and it is still unbeknownst to us, he woke up in the middle of the night and decided he needed some fresh air. So he went downstairs, he went into our guest bathroom, He climbed out the dog door, he climbed over the fence, and he went on a little walkabout through Folsom. The police found him about two miles away from our house, and uh, they told us he was just skipping up the street in his pajamas. Thank God he had his pajamas on. That that was one thing I thought. (laughs) Uh, We went to get him out of the police car, and there he was, sitting in the back. And I mean, he wasn't handcuffed, thankfully, we got him upstairs and we put him in his room. We locked, <laughs> locked him in. <laughs> and uh, we went back to bed and uh, we lay down. And I said, "Gosh, you know," I said, Dan. I said, uh, "We really only have one option here." I said, "We just, we've got to choose to trust God. We've just got to choose to trust Him." Now, what is an eleven-year-old autistic boy? and a dog door and a police car have to do with choosing to serve God? Well, I, I don't really know, but I really liked the story. <laughs> I, think it, I think it says a lot. I, I think for Dan and I, it, it, it was a huge moment. It was a huge moment of decision for us. Um, we could have easily said, well, forget it. I don't wanna, I'm not going to trust God because my kid was running around Folsom. It even begged a bigger question for us which is I can't trust God because why do we even have this in our lives if God is good? It's a moment of decision. We could either choose another God or we could choose the God. Now, that's our situation. That was our moment of decision. You have yours that you face every day. You face those moments of decision uh, in your workplaces, in your relationships, uh, out on the street. How will I choose to serve God? How will I make a choice to be God's person? How will I trust God's character and in that trust step out in my choice of service? That's the first thing I think Joshua 24 teaches us. The second thing I think it teaches us is that one of the ways we choose to serve God is we yield our life to him, is we yield ourselves to him. We give our whole selves over to God. Now, Israel makes a huge statement here, and it's way more significant than we might think. They say we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. They are making a pledge that they are choosing to serve one God. And for them, that was huge because they lived in a culture where people served multiple gods. See, the issue for the culture in which they lived wasn't what God to serve. It was what God on what given day would you serve? What situation did you find yourself in? Well, then pick a God that fits that one. So for Israel to say we're going to choose to worship one God and one God only was revolutionary, really. And probably in the eyes of uh, the Amorites, which is where they were living at the time, they probably was stupid to them. They probably were like, what a stupid choice. Why would you choose one when you can have a pantheon? But Israel chooses to serve the one God, and in that choice they say, we are going to give ourselves over to you. We're going to yield our life. To you. Everything that we are is going to be about you, God. You know, it's kind of interesting uh, in verse 14, and I I had Him bring it up on the, on the screens in the NIV, which is a different version than we have on the handout, because I love the way it says it. It says this if serving God seems undesirable to you then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And I loved that phraseology, if serving God seems undesirable to you. You see, Joshua puts it right out there and says, this is a choice you are making. And you know what? It's a choice that isn't just about my desire on any given day. It's a choice that extends beyond that. But it is such a push-pull that we live with that sometimes our desires can send us in the wrong direction. See, Israel, just like us, lived in a world that was always vying for their attention. There were voices all around them saying, serve this, choose this, go here, this is better, this will help you. Just like the world we live in. We hear those voices all around. We're trying to make decisions. We're in a moment of decision, and we can hear a myriad of voices saying, oh, you should do this, or you should do that. And sometimes those voices drown out the voice of God, and they drown out our ability to hear where God is leading us. Joshua says, serve wholeheartedly. You know, in the original language, that word wholeheartedly means to give everything over that you have. It's not like, to serve wholeheartedly means, oh, I really want to do it, or I have, a, I have a good intention. It means everything that you have, all that you are, you're going to give over to God. It's a supernatural thing, really. We can't do it by ourselves. We say serve wholeheartedly and faithfully. <coughs> Yield, oh, yourselves to God, because when we give our lives to God, that's an act of service to him. Now, I was um, probably like some of you and certainly a lot of America uh, drawn this Tuesday to the memorial service for Michael Jackson. And uh, I watched some of it and I've been following the media coverage of it because I'm fascinated by the world that we live in. Um, I'm a part of this world. Uh, I want to know kind of what the culture is. I'm not afraid of the culture. I don't want to slam the culture. I want to be in the middle of it so that I can engage with the culture and as a follower of Jesus, do that well. And so I was was watching it and I was listening to all the different kinds of things people were saying. And I was driving along the freeway, uh, it must have been on Wednesday or Thursday and a radio station was doing kind of a man on the street type interviews and they were walking around and they were just asking people a question. And this was the question they were asking, who do you think was a bigger idol? Michael Jackson or Jesus? Now, I, th- I thought that was kind of an intriguing question. And you had a lot of people who said, I think Michael Jackson, and you had some who said, oh, I think Jesus. But there was this one response that I was intrigued by, and uh, they asked the person this question, and I could almost see it in my mind. Um, the person kind of stalled, like, Hmm. And like, they were really thinking about it, you know, it wasn't a gut response. And they were trying to be careful and thoughtful, and it was almost as though you could see them going, Michael Jackson, Jesus, my, my, my. And then at the end of the day, they said, you know, I think they're the, about the same. <laughs> now, let me be clear. I, I'm not here to slam Michael Jackson. I, I love Michael Jackson's music. I have a lot of it on my iPod. And I'm not here to slam the question or the people who answered the question. But it was fascinating to me because this is what it told me. We are not very far from Israel, people. We are not very far from a world in which some people elevate someone to the status of a god, whether it's a person or it might be a thing or an ideology doesn't matter but we live in a world like that and that will pull at us all the time and the question that we have to ask ourselves is how in the middle of all that can I continually choose to serve God and yield my life to him you see what does that look like really ultimately when you leave here today you say what does it look like for me then to choose God and to yield my life to him. Well, I think it, it's not super complicated, to be honest with you. I think it's a, an everyday moment kind of thing. I think you say in, in everyday moments, what God, what, how can I choose you? In this moment, right now, what will my choice be? It's an awareness. It's living in an awareness level that maybe uh, we haven't thought of before. It's a practice we develop. Um, God, what would you do? I mean, And, and how will I choose you? It's looking at our lives and saying, is there something in my life I haven't yielded to you, God? Because I don't want to yield it because it's a little bit of an idol to me. It's kind of like a warm blanket, and I don't want to give it up so that we can let go of it and give it over to God as an act of serving Him. We take this belief that we have and we put it into motion. We live it. We don't just say it. We don't just study it. We actually embody it. Choose today whom you will serve, it says. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You may not have a house. You may not have a family. That doesn't matter. As for me, as for you, who will you choose to serve? Because at the end of the day, you got to serve somebody. In a couple of minutes, we're going to have our time of giving, and the band is going to come up and close out the service. But before we do that, I, I want to pray for us. So will you pray with me? Amen. God, we're so, uh, we're so grateful that you are the kind of God who first and foremost chooses us that in the depth of your love, you have reached out and befriended us and loved us and loved us enough to be rejected even. And God, we thank you that you give us an opportunity to choose you. Sometimes, and for some of us here today, maybe for the very first time, and for others of us to be reminded to choose you moment by moment. For every moment, that we live is a moment of decision. Lord, help us to yield our lives to you as an act of our service, to listen to your voice, so that we can say with confidence, I have chosen to serve you, God. We pray this in your name, amen.